Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. Of course, if you can't listen live, you can always check it out on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, and it usually goes up pretty quickly after we are off the air live. Check out ScoutFantasySports.com right now as we will lead you to the promised land. Hopefully you survived a crazy week 14. We have the injury report up right now. Dr. Otto's week 14 prescription notes, and I take an early look at the waiver wire as uh, for some week 15 pickups. And there are some players out there that have emerged over the weekend. So you could check that out. Our fantasy football for breakfast. And of course you can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want, whether it's NFL, NBA or MLB, as we are getting some dynasty league trade questions, whatever it is, you can head on over to scoutfantasysports.com and ask those questions. Of course, we have you covered as well, scoutdfs.com, whether it's NHL, NBA, or NFL. And if, uh, you, uh, if you use the NFL Optimizer this past weekend, it had Travis Kelsey in there, it had Christian McCaffrey, Jalen Samuels. So obviously, uh, there was a lot of value at running back, but uh, McCaffrey, who almost had a third touchdown, obviously was a good play, has been pretty much worth the money every single week, especially on a site like DraftKings with the PPR and all the targets that he has been getting. So you could check that out uh, for your NBA DFS needs as well, especially on a day like today where 11 games late, ton of injuries, a lot of value opened up. That's why it's very extremely important to pay attention up until a lineup lock. And even after lineup lock, especially if you play on a site like DraftKings where you have the late swap, it could instantly change things. And also check out VegasWhispers.com. For your NFL, well, actually, all your betting needs. They especially excel in college football. They've been crushing it there. NFL yesterday uh, was uh, two and three, so uh, not not too bad. Uh, but obviously, we want to do better. But uh, going into yesterday, eight and two on the last ten plays, and uh, especially doing good uh, NHL over the weekend. So. Overall, again, the key is, you know, just keep playing the, the picks. That's the, the key. If you kind of pick and choose, then obviously it could hurt you a little bit. But if you just kind of stick with the process here and go with everything over the long run, you're going to do well. Uh, again, 8-2 uh, and two, uh, on the last 10 plays going into yesterday, and then it was 2-3 and three in college football over the last seven weeks, 33-12 and 12 for a 73% winning percentage. we got a ton of bowl games coming up, so uh, really crushing it there with the college football. We'll go over all of the top storylines and the news from the previous week, but we do have some news on tonight's game. If you are playing in season long or the DFS showdown slate, 
Doug Baldwin is inactive for the Seahawks, and I think we kind of knew it was trending in this direction. He has a hip injury now. He's been bothered by a knee and a groin, so he's been really banged up this year. And, you know, we got a question over the weekend on the message board saying, you know, I have Doug Baldwin. What should I do? And I'm like, you can't wait. If you do not have a backup, you cannot wait uh, on these Sunday night, Monday night games. And if you did and you didn't have an option, thinking, oh, Baldwin's going to play. It's a big game for Seattle. It's a lesson learned, and you got to learn from your mistakes. But there's no way you could have waited around for Doug Baldwin without an option. And the person who asked the question said he could go on the waiver warrant and get David Moore. I'm like, okay, you can do that. And this way, if Baldwin doesn't play, you play David Moore, who has made plays this year. Obviously, tough matchup here against Minnesota. I think there'll be some point score, but I think the Seahawks might have a tougher time running the ball than they will passing. Um, and we've seen the Seahawks, they like to run the ball a lot if they can. But this might be a game where they're going to have to pass a little bit more. Uh, so David Moore will get a little bit of an uptick here. Uh, I, re- I don't remember the exact options that the person presented to me, but they were not appealing at all. And in that situation, you know, at least Moore is going to see an uptick in the target share. And they do typically spread the ball around. We've seen Jerron Brown have a two-touchdown game. There's Nick Vanette, obviously Tyler Lockett. Uh, this would be a boost for him as – He's just been crushing this year, scoring a touchdown in every game except three, and even on limited volume he has produced. So uh, Doug Baldwin uh, is inactive for the Seahawks tonight if you are uh, playing that game in the showdown slate or you were waiting on the news for season-long leagues. We just also got word that uh, Kyle Shanahan said Pierre Garcon is going to be placed on injured reserve, so he's out for the year. Not a big deal. I don't think anyone was playing him anyway, but uh, certainly for Dante Pettis. Uh, you know, if you've been using him, certainly good news for him. Uh, Austin Eckler, I don't think he plays this week, but we're just getting a report from the EPs. Joe Reedy considers Austin Eckler extremely doubtful. I don't think he plays either. The game is Thursday night. Eckler took a big helmet-to-helmet hit on an onside kick towards the end of the game. He was able to walk off on his own power, but they're basically saying that he's very stiff and cannot move his head very much. So I don't think Austin Eckler is going to play, and it's Thursday, so you know early on. And then that raises the question, what happens with Melvin Gordon? Because we don't know. He didn't practice, I think, I don't think he practiced at all last week. Now you have a short week. Big game for the Chargers here. They have an opportunity to beat the Chiefs and tie for first place. Uh, Chargers already lost to the Chiefs early this year. So we could be looking at Justin Jackson getting a huge workload. And obviously he disappointed this past week if you used him. You know, I did think that Eckler was going to get the bulk of the carries, and our projections said so too. Our projections had Austin Eckler as a top 10 running back. And, you know, he, he scored a touchdown, got off to a good start, didn't do much in the second half. But Justin Jackson, uh, just seven carries, 12 yards, and two receptions for 23 yards because the Chargers did not blow the Bengals out. You know, that was a game till the end. They only won by two. So I think the theory was, okay, even if Eckler remains the starting running back and gets the bulk of the touches, well, Jackson should see a ton in the second half because they didn't want Eckler to wear down. And sometimes when you predict game script, it can go in a different direction. And that's exactly what happened here because the Chargers did not blow the Bengals out. But if Gordon's out and Eckler, wow, Justin Jackson, huge workload here in a high-scoring affair on Thursday night. So uh, those Justin Jackson dividends did not pay off last week. They could this week, so keep that in mind. Speaking of that Thursday night game as well, you know, a question mark here is Tyreek Hill. He played the entire game. But he went out twice. Once it looked like he was holding his wrist, and I don't know if it was a wrist or a shoulder. 
Uh, then they're saying that he had a heel injury. I know he had said that he was uh, in a lot of pain yesterday. He did play the game and had 139 yards, including a ridiculous uh, play by Patrick Mahomes on a fourth down play to keep the game alive. And Hill was able to get the catch and extend the drive and the game as the Chiefs were able to win in overtime over the Ravens. But uh, Andy Reid said he expects Tyreek Hill to play on Thursday against the Chargers. Adam Schefter from ESPN reported earlier that Hill is day-to-day and the heel injury is nothing serious. So he's probably not going to practice at all. And uh, it's going to be, you know, at least you have the early word on Thursday. I mean, if Tyreek Hill is out there, you play him. The guy's just so dynamic, but he's clearly not 100%. uh, But he was able to produce yesterday at less than 100%, helping the Chiefs uh, remain a game ahead of the Chargers in that division. Now, we've talked about the frustration of Jordan Reed all season, and we were all sitting here like, wait a second, how has this guy been able to stay healthy the entire year when in the past that's always been the problem with him, but yet he's unproductive? Well, now we can finally forget about Jordan Reed the rest of the way because in all likelihood, he is going to miss the remainder of the season. He left yesterday's game with an injury and Probably some people downgraded him anyway because Mark Sanchez was the quarterback. But we know there's a lot of people who are just in, in struggling at the tight end position. Uh, he only played seven snaps, had one target, did not record a catch. So it's appropriate that he ends the season that way. He uh, is going to have a precautionary MRI today. But it's uh, not believed to be major, but it's a toe sprain. He has had history of foot, toe problems. Pretty much everything, and the Redskins were just an embarrassment yesterday. I mean, they were down 40 to nothing against the Giants, and I understand Mark Sanchez is out of quarterback. That was a team who completely quit. You know, they were actually still in contention going into yesterday. As bad as things were, they were 6-6. Six and six. There were teams with two, three wins that played much harder than the Redskins yesterday. That was just an embarrassment. I don't even know why they even showed up to the game. It was just a pathetic performance for the Redskins, and Uh, Jordan Reed probably out for the season. So Vernon Davis becomes someone that you can add if you're really hurting that tight end. And look, it's tough to have any confidence in anyone in this offense right now. But we know Vernon Davis can play. Johnson came in at quarterback and replaced Sanchez. Got to think he starts. And Davis did have four targets, four catches for 31 yards after Reed left the game. And we've seen Davis be productive in the absence of Reed. And, you know, if you have been relying on Jordan Reed, or, uh, you know, you're banged up uh, for uh, a tight end position, Vernon Davis in a deeper format certainly could be an option. Uh, Now we have to keep an eye on what's going to happen with the Ravens quarterbacks this week. And John Harbaugh said he is not committing to Flacco as the Week 15 starter if he's healthy. He said he would be part of the game plan. So it sounded like Flacco was close to a return this past week, and he wasn't out there. Harbaugh said they have a plan, and we talked to them about it, but they don't want to share it publicly. So my guess is Lamar Jackson probably gets another start. Like, he has not been great, and he still is raw as a passer, and he makes some poor throws. But the offense has moved the ball. It certainly helps the running backs in there because Lamar is such a threat. Now, Lamar still has a high floor. He's had at least 71 yards rushing in all four starts. So... That's what you like about him right there. There's seven points before he even throws a pass. Uh, He had two passing touchdowns this past week. He has not topped 178 passing yards in his four starts. 
and he does have two rushing touchdowns. So he's not a guy that has a huge ceiling, but he has a high floor. So we'll see uh, whether uh, he gets the start this week. It sounds like he will. Maybe they mix in Flacco, but it's just weird. That would mess up the offense. And, yeah, the Ravens didn't win this past week, and they've had a fortunate schedule, but they were competitive against one of the best teams in the NFL and did take the game into overtime. So that should probably account for something, I would think. So uh, we'll see, because uh, I know I'm relying on, on – um, on Lamar Jackson in uh, in a key league. I really hope he keeps the starting gig because uh, I need him. And uh, hopefully we get that news in time uh, or, or just have a backup. If you have Lamar Jackson and you were counting on him here through the playoffs, just make sure you have someone else just in case uh, they do turn to Joe Flacco, but I, I don't think they'll do. But one guy who I could see the Ravens turning to, and that's the running back position. That is Kenneth Dixon. I love Kenneth Dixon. I like him since he came out. And I did draft him in early drafts when I was doing drafts in June and July and best ball formats. I drafted Kenneth Dixon. And then, of course, he got hurt again. And I'm like, oh, I should have known. But, you know, we all have these players that we kind of can't give up on. Uh, Kenneth Dixon is still one of those guys for me. And uh, he has been impressive. It's now two weeks in a row that he's looked good. Uh, I thought he looked excellent yesterday. And, you know, Gus Edwards still had more touches. Edwards had 16 touches. Dixon had nine. Dixon did score the touchdown. Um, and the snaps were close. Ed, Edwards 31, Dixon 23. And John Harbaugh said he expected Dixon's role to grow going forward. So Dixon also catches passes. Gus Edwards does not. Gus Edwards has one target in eight games. So he's basically one of these real touchdown-dependent guys. So did get a question on the message board today asking about Dixon and whether they can rely, I mean, on uh, Edwards. I'm like, oh, you can't really rely on him. Uh, Dixon, uh, you know, 8 for 37 in week 13, 8 for 59 in a touchdown this past week, also had a catch for 21 yards. We have seen Ty Montgomery in the mix as well. But uh, you, you like the comments there from Harborough. So I think Dixon definitely is someone that you could pick up. And I did write him up in the week 15 waiver wire. You could check that out. Right now, scoutfantasysports.com for a little bit more detail. But uh, definitely like Dixon. And they're going up against the Buccaneers. Good matchup. I know the Buccaneers defense has played better recently, but still, uh, it's a good matchup there. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is dealing with a hamstring injury. He is day-to-day, so I guess the MRI came back pretty good. But there's a chance he doesn't play. Obviously, the Bills are out of it. And look, uh, if you are out of it, the goal is to kind of learn lessons here. Where would you go wrong? What would you do? And... You know, I got things wrong this year. We all do. But in our preseason pro picks, my bust of the year was LaShawn McCoy. I wanted nothing to do with him. I don't care if he fell to the fourth round. I remember late fourth round, he was there. I passed on him. You know, you we always go through this. Oh, it's too much value. Uh, I can't pass him up there. If you don't like the player, I don't care what the value is. You don't have to take him. And there were too many red flags for me with LaShawn McCoy going into this year. 30-year-old running back on a team that is putrid that its offensive line was gutted. And I heard people say, well, he's going to get a ton of value. Okay, that's great. If the offense can't move the ball, if they have questions at quarterback, how many touchdowns are they going to score? How many times are they going to be in position to put the ball in the end zone? And you're seeing it right here with McCoy. Two touchdowns on the season. Even in games where they played from behind, 29 receptions. So he's not even piling up the stats. Uh, even in favorable matchups, we kind of go through it every week in DFS. We talked about it on Friday. I'm like, I just, I, I get it. It makes sense. And 
you know, he should be in a good position. I can't do it. I haven't used him all year. So, uh, you know, we could see more Chris Ivory. Not that that's great either. Just don't really want much in this Bills offense. I know Josh Allen has been exciting. We'll talk about him, but uh, just tough to rely on them. I mean, how about Saturday's news? I'm driving, and all of a sudden I get an alert. Odell Beckham is out. I'm like, wait a second. Is this real? I don't know if he was on the injury report. I don't remember. I mean, it didn't seem like Beckham was in danger of missing the game. And we found out Saturday he didn't travel with the team. So that was a huge loss for fantasy owners. I mean, we've just been hammered with injuries over the last couple weeks. The Kareem Hunt suspension, James Conner, everything, Melvin Gordon. And now Beckham was out on Saturday. Well, Pat Shermer said that Beckham felt a lot better today. Did not say whether Beckham will play this week. It sounds like the indication is good, so he could be back. But, man, that just was a brutal loss for fantasy owners because it's one thing if you know on a Tuesday and you can go to the waiver wire, but Beckham owners had to scramble at the last second, and a lot of the better options probably were scooped up earlier in the week depending on the you know depth of your league. So that was just definitely a devastating blow. I didn't have Odell Beckham. So it really didn't hurt me, but man, if you were relying on Beckham for a big postseason, you might have been eliminated over the weekend, and that's just unfortunate. When we return, a lot more news to get to. We'll go over some of the latest injuries and talk about some of the big storylines from the weekend and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. Adam Ronis, it is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis. You hear black and yellow. Wasn't a good weekend for the black and yellow Steelers losing Oakland. What an embarrassment. And they have the Patriots this week and the Saints the week after. So no lock for the playoffs. They've got their work cut out. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. I have an early look at the Week 15 waiver wire. Once again, some intriguing pickups this week. Obviously, hopefully you're set. It is the fantasy football playoffs, but sometimes we get hit with injuries unexpectedly. And we can go to the waiver wire and maybe plug in a hole or two, especially if you're in a deeper format. We have week 14 prescription notes from Dr. Roto, as well as the fantasy football playoff injury report. And you can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. We also have a ton of great tools for DFS with the stack tool for NFL DFS, the optimizer. And we got you covered for NBA and NHL. Once again, NBA optimizer has been unbelievable this year. And, you know, especially, you know, if you know your core, you, you plug it in. And, you know, if you don't like the plays, you know, just exit out. Hit optimize again. And more often than not, it's going to give you really good plays. So I love NBA DFS. It's one of it's my favorite DFS sport. And you do have to pay attention. A lot of last-minute breaking news. But I will say this, at least today, we got a lot of the news early. Like, we knew 
basically the Celtics' entire starting lineup was out. We found out Anthony Davis was playing about, you know, a half hour before lineup locked. So there are some nights where it's really frustrating, and we find out last minute. But we knew early tonight. We knew Blake Griffin was out. So on nights like today, especially on a big slate, and there's still a couple of unanswered questions, but uh, it's always good to get that news early. So there are some days where it can be fun. Uh, I, I do enjoy it, uh, and I recommend you guys getting a seven-day free trial for NBA DFS, especially with NFL winding down. Now, we still have DFS for the rest of the regular season, the playoffs, but maybe you're starting to think about DFS after NFL and uh, NBA. Love it. Definitely the way to go. Uh, some of the other news going on right now, Josh Doxson and the NFL's concussion protocol. Probably not a big deal anyway with the quarterback situation. You know, he was starting to come on a little bit, but... Uh, Tough to use now with the quarterback situation there in Washington. Cowboys right guard Zach Martin has a sprained left MCL, and he's kind of been dealing with this all year. Sounds like he could play this week. Then again, they do. Well, they're in good shape for the division, so maybe they sit him, but shouldn't affect uh, the rest of the position players. And the Eagles signed Boston Scott off the Saints practice squad. To me, that is not good news for Corey Clement, who got hurt against the Cowboys. He injured his knee just when he was coming on. He has not been able to stay healthy, so uh, Boston Scott added there as insurance. Uh, how about the addition of Amari Cooper to the Cowboys? And he was cheap in DFS this weekend. If you used him, you probably made a lot of money. Amari Cooper with 10 receptions, 217 yards, three touchdowns on 13 targets. So what a difference he has made for Dallas. Obviously, a lot of people criticized the deal because they gave up a first-round pick, and you could understand that. But the Cowboys, because at the time, the Cowboys were looking like a team that wasn't going anywhere uh, during their bye week. But the division was wide open. Obviously, I think a lot, because a lot of people felt Philly was going to win this division. I I certainly did. I almost put money on them week seven, week eight. I'm like, oh, they're going to win the division. But they were so banged up in the secondary. So Dallas decided to go for it, and they paid a high price. Let's not forget, reportedly, Philadelphia offered a second-round pick for Amari Cooper. And you think that would have made a difference compared to getting Golden Tate. Uh, obviously, we've seen the shift here. So, Cooper, uh, if you went through the early season struggles with the Raiders, man, you are paying. You're getting the benefits right now. And even if you're not, hopefully you used him in DFS. But Cooper is uh, pretty much di- uh, giving you great production every week. He's had one down game. That was against Atlanta where he had three for 36. He's hit double-digit points in PPR formats in every other game. Three straight weeks, at least eight receptions. I mean, you talk about a a late season surge here with Amari Cooper, eight for 180 and two touchdowns week 12, eight for 75 and week 13. And then yesterday's great performance. So Cooper really coming through. We knew he had the talent. Obviously it seems like he's very comfortable there in Dallas. Uh, did get a fortuitous bounce off a defender for the game winning touchdown, but Cooper tearing it up for fantasy teams. And if you don't have him on your regular season squad, you know, look to him in DFS. Uh, I said it at the time. I thought that the addition of Cooper was really going to benefit Ezekiel Elliott the most because teams know what Dallas is going to do, and they still do, but they had no other wide receivers earlier in the year that were really a big threat. You know, I liked Michael Gallup, and he's been coming on, but he's a rookie. They had no one to stretch the field, so teams did not really need to worry about the passing game, and they were just focusing on Zeke. And there were times where they knew Zeke was coming, and he still produced. But you could see the difference with Cooper on the field. And Zeke said it a couple weeks ago. The thing, though, that's really turned around for Ezekiel Elliott is they are passing him the football a lot now. 
And I was screaming for it in the offseason. Like, utilize this guy in the passing game. There's no reason why you can't. He has the ability to catch passes. We've seen it. Uh, and it, it started to happen a little bit last year, but he only had 32 receptions as a rookie. He had 26 last year. Remember, he served the six-game suspension. But this year, 65. We still have three games to go. Zeke could be a guy that catches 80-plus passes this year. He has 81 targets. Obviously, he got a big boost yesterday with 12 receptions for 79 yards. But this goes back to week 10. His last five weeks, receptions, 6, 7, 5, 6, and 12. I mean, I played him in DFS yesterday. You know, it was obviously between him, McCaffrey, Barkley. They were all good plays. And you just kind of had to choose. And uh, even though Zeke did not get a touchdown, he still produced. Had 40 touches for the Cowboys in that overtime game as 86 snaps he played as the Cowboys had the offense on the field quite often. So, you know, he he has asked out of games a couple times, but you can't blame him. They're, they're really riding Zeke, and uh, he's coming through in a big way. And uh, for those that faded him because of the lack of receptions, it's not happening now. Uh, one of the big performances from yesterday was George Kittle, man. And I'm sure there's some people out there that played Jalen Samuels in the tight end spot over George Kittle. Uh, they might be regretting that today. Look, Kittle is so talented. Before the season, uh, when I do my preseason articles, one of the articles was if you miss out on the elite tight ends, like Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, although Gronkowski hasn't been elite, but if you missed out on them, I said wait and get George Kittle. And I, it was he was an attainable price. I mean, depending on the drafts, what anywhere from rounds 8 to 10. But, man, Kittle has produced in a major way. And yesterday, seven receptions, 210 yards, and a touchdown. Now, it all came in the first half. Still a huge game. But he was five yards away from setting the record for most yards in a game by a tight end. And I don't understand why they didn't get him that record in the second half. You couldn't have thrown a five-yard pass to him? It's not that difficult. So, very surprising. I know the 49ers had the lead, but, man, they should have gotten the record. I'm sure they're well aware of it. But Kittle's had a great year. He's up to 1,103 yards, 69 receptions. He has at least nine targets in four straight games. So, yeah, maybe there was some concern with the injuries at quarterback uh, when um, Garoppolo went down, but hasn't affected uh, Kittle at all. I mean, he's just had a high floor each and every single game. He's hit double-digit points in PPR formats. Every game since week seven, obviously there was a week 11 buying there, but you know his worst game this year came in week two in a PPR 4.2, and he's had at least seven points in every other game. So he's been tremendous. The only concern with him going into the year was the injuries. You know, he was banged up last year, banged up in college, but he has produced in a major way, and he is probably sending a lot of fantasy owners uh, into the semifinals and in the high-stakes league, putting them in a good spot as they head into week two of the three-week championship. Talked about Lamar Jackson. He did get hurt towards the end of the game. Apparently, he is fine, and it sounds like he he could start uh, again this week. So, again, hasn't been prolific as a passer, but getting it done on the ground. Patrick Mahomes, there was a lot of questions about him this week because, you know, he was going against a top defense. You know, Ravens defense has been really good this year. And I mentioned on Friday, uh, he went against two other top 12 pass defenses this year, and he didn't get to 20 fantasy points. Denver in week four, 
Uh, no, actually, it was Jacksonville in week five where he didn't have a touchdown passing, but he had 313 and a rushing touchdown in Arizona. He had 249 and two touchdowns against them. So with Mahomes, I was like, it's difficult to bench him. It's just really impossible, even in a tough matchup, and especially with Kareem Hunt not there. They were going to rely on the pass a little bit more. Well, it took overtime. It took 53 passes. But Mahomes was productive, 377 passing yards and two touchdowns, one interception. Didn't run much in this one, uh, just two carries minus three yards. So, you know, he wasn't the, uh, the top quarterback this week, but hopefully you didn't bench him for a lesser option as uh, he just continues his amazing season. Now up to 43 touchdowns on the year with 11 interceptions and, of course, two rushing touchdowns with 235 on the ground. So, He's been unbelievable and is shaping up for a uh, big shootout on Thursday night against the Chargers. I really cannot wait for that game. I wish it wasn't Thursday. wish it was uh, like a Sunday night, Monday night game, but should be a fun one. Uh, hopefully the, and the Chargers tend to play to the level of competition, which is bad. So I expect them to bring their A game here. You saw them with that big come from behind win against the Steelers a week ago on Sunday night. But then just uh, I don't understand how they don't blow the Bengals out on Sunday with Jeff Driscoll, a quarterback, and A.J. Green. Uh, and, uh, unexplainable, although they don't have that home field advantage. A lot of questions about Cam Newton coming into the week, and we knew his shoulder is not right. Once again, there was a Hail Mary. They took him out. He did play the game. He hasn't been running as much lately. Uh, did have 23 rushing yards, but the thing that was noticeable was, like, near the goal line, I don't understand why he was firing rockets. If he put a little bit more touch in the football, could have had a better game, so... 265 passing yards for Cam. He did attempt 42 passes, which is actually the second most pass attempts he's had this year. Obviously, they were trailing a little bit late in that game. It was back and forth, tied for a while, but uh, 265 passing yards, no touchdowns for Cam. Just the first time. Uh, it's the first time this year he's had no touchdowns because he didn't have one rushing. It's just the second time this year that he's had no passing touchdowns. The other one was week one against Dallas. They're 6-7 and seven now. Now, they're still mathematically alive, especially if Minnesota loses tonight. That can make things interesting. But the Panthers have to play the Saints two of the final three games, including Monday night. So there is a chance that maybe Cam gets shut down. Probably not this week, but maybe after that. And I think a lot of people are going to be worried about starting him this week. You know, the Saints defense is good. It's not what it was earlier in the year. You know, we did see Jameis Winston get off to a pretty good start with two touchdowns early. But then that's it. The second half, he did nothing. So uh, this could be a scenario where Cam Newton owners, if they survived, uh, might not feel good about playing this week. And I, I really can't blame them at this point because Cam definitely, to me, is not 100%. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, this, I, I don't know what happened yesterday. So he, he didn't come out for the second half. It was Dobbs who started the second half. Roethlisberger came to the sideline. He was there. Didn't look to be in much pain. Just chilling on the sideline. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, with the Raiders taking the lead, they bring Roethlisberger back in. So why wasn't he good enough to come back earlier? And, yes, Roethlisberger, I've said it for years, he's just a drama queen. Like, you know, we see him on the field, and it looks like his season is over. He's grabbing his knee, whatever, his shoulder. And then he leaves for a couple days, comes back, and, does his thing and leads the team to victory. Well, it didn't happen like that yesterday. Could be costly, too. Now, he did get them in position with a long 
uh, it was, uh, I think, a hook and lateral to Juju Smith-Schuster. He took it deep into Raiders territory, and then Boswell missed the field goal. I mean, he's just been terrible. But it's a big loss for the Steelers. Now, they still can win the division, but they have two tough matchups, as I mentioned before, the next upcoming uh, weeks, the Patriots next week, and then the Saints after. So they're really going to have to perform big time to get this done. Uh, one of the bigger disappointments from yesterday was Cortland Sutton, man. Uh, I know a lot of people used him in DFS. A lot of people used him in seasonal. I know I recommended him in a lot of questions. And as I've always said, if it's something that I tell you to do, it's something that I would do with my own team. And I did play Sutton in quite a few leagues, and what a disappointment. Now, he did have a quad injury, but he came back, and he played through it. But two catches for 14 yards on six targets. I did see Richard Sherman at times, but I did see other times where Sherman wasn't on him. Sherman, as we mentioned last week on Friday's show, is stationary. They only keep him on one side. So it was easy to scheme and get Sutton away from him. But, you know, Sutton just not coming through uh, here since uh, Demarius Thomas left. And then this week without Emmanuel Sanders, you know, this should have been a matchup where he would have been productive. Case Keenum did not play great. But uh, after four catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown in week 13, Sutton was a major dud here. So that was a uh, – if you avoid him in a DFS, that worked out. I did not play him in DFS. I did play a wide receiver who busted in DFS. I didn't play Sutton in DFS, but I did play him in a lot of season-long leagues, uh, and it was a disappointment for him. Josh Allen, we mentioned last week uh, in the DFS show, I put him in my column as a deep sleeper. You know, basically – Going into week 14 of the playoffs, I would think your quarterback situation is pretty much set. I actually have a really good team where the quarterback is my weakness. Unfortunately, the waiver wire is closed. Uh, but I've been rotating between Lamar Jackson, Marcus Mariota, Mariota, and Matthew Stafford. And I can't play Matthew Stafford at all. I don't even care. I mean, I'm, I had to play him in a super flex league, and I was disgusted. And I probably should have went with a position player. But... You know, I really don't – I'm definitely not playing many QB1 leagues. And Mariota had Jacksonville on Thursday, so I played Lamar Jackson. But, you know, there might be scenarios where Josh Allen comes into play. Now, I said on Friday I wouldn't play him in DFS, that I was just worried that a lot of people would be on him. His price went up. And, you know, he was okay because of the rushing yards. Once again, you know, it's his third straight game, at least 99 rushing yards. He had 101 rushing yards on nine carries and a rushing touchdown. So right there, you got 16.1. But he did throw two interceptions. He passed for 206 yards, and he was 18-36. So there's still a lot of flaws in the game of Josh Allen. But just like Lamar Jackson, because of his ability to run, you know, he's going to produce a high floor. But it's going to be tough to rely on that every single week. So I do think there's definitely concerns with him. Elijah McGuire, you know, he was someone we talked about right when he was coming off into reserve, saying pick him up. You know, Isaiah Crow hasn't really done much. He's been boomer bust, and maybe McGuire gets a shot. And McGuire really hasn't. You know, he's had 10, 9, 7, and 7 touches. So I did drop him in a league about a week or two ago. I'm like, look, we're getting towards the fantasy football playoffs. No bye weeks. Can't play McGuire. Well, Isaiah Crowell left the game with a foot injury. McGuire came in. And got a big workload, 17 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown and caught three passes for 23 yards on four targets. So we don't know about Crowell yet. You're probably going to have to make this decision before we get any further news on Crowell because we probably won't hear anything until Wednesday potentially. But McGuire's in play. Now, the problem is tough matchup this week. 
And there's two Saturday games this week, too. We got two Saturday games this week and the following week. So keep that in mind. And the Jets are going to play the Texans. So it's a bad matchup. Texans are good against the run. But again, there might be some people who are desperate if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back and you had Eckler. So McGuire is someone to look at on the waiver wire. But just keep in mind, it is a very difficult matchup for him. Lots more ahead when we return as we recap week 14. Look at some of the top storylines and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. Adam Ron is here at Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next 20 minutes, taking you up until 8 p.m. Eastern as we get you set here for Monday Night Football, Vikings, and Seahawks to cap week 14 and hopefully send many of you to the Fantasy Football Semifinals. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. Have a look at the waiver wire, week 15 waiver wire pickups, Dr. Roto's week 14 prescription notes, and, of course, ask your questions on the message boards and forums. Check out scoutdfs.com as well. And if you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills Without salary cap constraints, you can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV, or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY18 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. That's promo code FNTSY18 to get your 100% bonus deposit i had three bets over the weekend won them all i mentioned on friday show i said the colts were going to beat the texans and they did had the colts money line i just felt like the colts were coming off a disappointing game against jacksonville they were better than that and the texans had a nine game winning streak but they really didn't beat anyone again it's hard to win any game in the nfl i think we saw that over the weekend but i felt like the colts uh, really needed the game and they had success against the texans earlier this year uh, and that worked out. So uh, hopefully, if you did listen, that uh, you were able to uh, capitalize on that. Uh, let's take a look at some of the other top storylines from the weekend. How about Juju Smith-Schuster? I'm interested to see, when we see early mocks, where does he go? Does he go ahead of Antonio Brown? He's probably going to go in the second round. There's a lot of running backs going to go in the first round. But Juju with a, another huge game. Uh, eight catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. And watch one of his touchdowns. It was a bad throw by Ben. And in the back of the end zone, he did a nice job corralling the ball and keeping both feet in bounds. I think they actually initially ruled it incomplete. But when you watch the replay, you knew that it was a completion, and they did overturn it. But Juju has had some monster games this year. He now has seven 100-yard games on the season, 91 receptions, 1,234 yards, 
and six touchdowns. And obviously a lot of it is going to depend, too, on what happens at quarterback. Does Ben Roethlisberger decide to retire? So that's definitely something that we're going to watch here in the offseason. Another big game was T.Y. Hilton, and we talked about him on Friday for DFS. Now, I remember Dr. Otto asking me, you like T.Y. Hilton for DFS? And I said, yes, I do. Love him, and especially because he was banged up. Uh, he had a shoulder injury. And when people see the little red icon there on DK, they're going to be like, mm, no, I'm not playing him. But uh, Hilton, I felt, was in a good spot here. I did not think that the Colts would be able to run the football. I had Marlon Mack in the sit column. Now, he did get a touchdown. But if you look at the other numbers, they sucked. And, you know, the touchdown kind of camouflaged a bad game. But I thought the Colts were going to get it done in the passing game. They did. T.Y. Hilton, 12 targets, 9 catches, 199 yards. He now has three 100-yard games in the last four. And he is really coming on strong at the right time. Uh, was a little banged up early in the year, but Andrew Luck going to him now on uh, consistently at least nine targets in four straight games. So uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, a big fantasy factor here down the stretch. I didn't think this guy would be a fantasy factor, but that's Kenny Stills. If you listen to my shows and read my stuff before the year, yes, I was all over Kenny Stills. Loved him. I drafted him in Las Vegas in the Beat Adam Ronas Online League, I believe, 7-1 in the seventh, eighth round turn, I believe. So I liked him a lot. Ryan Tannehill going down didn't help, and I just I don't know what happened. Like, we saw week one, four for 106 and two touches. I'm like, yes. Struggled in week two, scored a touchdown in week three. But then once Ryan Tannehill went down, it was like pretty much that was it. He averaged over two targets without Tannehill. Well, Tannehill's been back. Stills has had a couple big games now. Week 13 against Buffalo, four for 37 and a touchdown with six targets. And this past week against New England, eight for 135 and a touchdown on nine targets. Kind of wished I used them. I didn't in the season-long leagues I had, but I just couldn't have confidence. But uh, maybe Kenny Stills could be a factor here down the stretch because uh, he should have been used more. Remember, a couple weeks ago, it was before the Buffalo game. He complained about not getting the football, and he's been open, and he was wondering, well, why didn't he get it? I mean, even the touchdown in Week 13 against the Bills, he was actually covered. There were two defenders on him. He still made the play, so... Now, we've always heard the term squeaky wheel gets the grease. That happened with Stills two weeks ago in another big game yesterday. Uh, definitely inspiring a little bit more confidence uh, in Stills potentially as a play. Uh, once again, Nick Chubb continues to produce not a monster game, but he did find the end zone. Uh, Chubb is definitely going to be someone that you're going to see going, I think, second round next year. Maybe you can make a potential argument for a first-round pick, but there's just so many other guys. Chubb has scored a touchdown now in five straight games. You know, the carries have been down the last couple weeks. Uh, one was against Houston where they were down, and he only had nine. And against Carolina, just 13, carries 66 yards. Uh, they didn't have the ball much. He did have four receptions for 17 yards. So the good thing is he does have at least three receptions in four straight games. So we are seeing him utilizing the passing game more. So that's a, a really good thing. Uh, Jarvis Landry, just when we thought he was done, you know, he's had two productive games now as uh, Baker Mayfield did go to him this game. Now, again, not a heavy volume, just four targets, three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown, and two carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. So at least he's still involved in the offense after kind of being gone for a little bit. Uh, this guy's been in my waiver wire com the last couple weeks. He still might be floating on waiver wires. Uh, I'll probably put him in the fab guide tomorrow when it comes out just to remind people in case he's still out there. That's Curtis Samuel. You know, Devin Funches is done. You know, we kind of looked at it the last couple weeks and mentioned – you know, he was dealing with an injury. He's been kind of phased out. Even last week when he returned, he played less snaps than D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel. 
Samuel is a playmaker, and they want to get the ball in his hands. And he's healthy now. You know, he had uh, injuries to start the year. This guy was drafted in the second round. So we saw in week 13 against Tampa, 11 targets, 6 for 88. This past week against Cleveland, 8 targets, 4 catches for 80 yards. And probably should have had a touchdown, but Cam could not make the throw. And as we mentioned, Cam's shoulder is a little bit of a concern. But that could actually be a positive for Samuel. That means they, you know, maybe go a little bit more with the, the short passing game as they don't try to throw deep. So that is something to keep in mind. But Samuel definitely has some value here. The other guy, too, to look at for the Panthers is Ian Thomas. Now, I wrote him up in the waiver wire article, waiver wire article and fab guide last week, and I also put him in the Friday, uh, the Saturday column as a deep sleeper for the week, and he came through if you had to use him. And there might have been some people that had to. We know tight end just a tough spot this year. But he had nine catches for 77 yards, so a very productive day in PPR formats, and even a non-PPR if you had to use him. He had 11 targets. So, again, with the short passing game, Becoming a little bit more in play here with Cam Newton in his shoulder. I don't think they want to take many shots deep. It opens it up for a guy like Ian Thomas as well. So you could certainly look to the waiver wire for him. Andrew Luck, I mentioned him earlier. I could not believe how many people did not want to play Andrew Luck once again. It's been a recurring theme throughout the season. But I mentioned it on Friday's show for DFS that people have recency bias. They look at the last game and... When you see Andrew Luck against Jacksonville in Week 13 with 248 passing yards and no touchdowns, and you see how well the Texans' defense is playing, you're like, oh, I can't do it. But I said, you know, first game against the Texans this year, 464 and four touchdowns. It was back in Week 4, and obviously things have changed since then, but Luck was a good play. Certainly was going to be low-owned, and he came through big time. 399, two touchdowns in an interception. Uh, So Andrew Luck playing Tremendous football, and it it would be fun to get Andrew Luck and the Colts in the playoffs because, you know, you want to see good quarterback play. I uh, certainly would like to see the Colts in the playoffs, and uh, they're going to have to probably continue winning out, and uh, they have a, a game against the Cowboys this week uh, where the Colts are favored. A uh, game is in Indy, Colts favored by three uh, for the early line. You know, Spencer Ware, I think a lot of people were worried about him going into this week because he didn't look great. Last week, he had a great matchup there against the Raiders. He really did not produce as we expected. He did score a touchdown on the game, but he was only 14 carries, 47 yards, and one reception for five. Well, he looked a lot better yesterday against Baltimore in a tougher matchup. Now, he did get banged up at one point, was laying on the field, looked like a shoulder, and he had 15 carries, 75 yards, and caught all five passes for 54 yards. So he is definitely the lead back. He played 41 snaps. But we did see Damian Williams involved, especially in the red zone. Now, Williams played 43 snaps. He had less touches, though. He had 12, but he had eight carries for 14 yards and a rushing touchdown and four receptions for 16 yards and a touchdown and five targets. Now, I'm interested to see what the injury report is. You know, he did finish the game, but we got a short week here. Thursday night, Chiefs play the Chargers, and, you know, you could see Damian Williams involved pretty heavily uh, in this game and a potential shootout. So definitely uh, he could be someone that you look at in deeper formats. Uh, or And he should, certainly should be picked up. He should be picked up because if anything happens to Spencer Ware, you know, he'll play a role in this offense. Uh, and Charkandrick West was inactive this past week. Uh, the frustration continues there for the Patriots running backs. And, you know, we see James Devlin once again vulture a touchdown. Now, if you played Sony Michelle, it 
you're upset, especially if you didn't advance. But he had 20 carries. You know, if I told you before the game he's going to have 20 carries against Miami, you're going to be like, fire him up. Miami's been bad against him. Now, the problem is he only had 57 yards. So he's been getting the touches, even with Rex Burkhead back. You look at the last uh, two games, Burkhead, 17 carries and 20 carries. Now, the problem is, especially in PPR formats, he doesn't do anything in the passing game. He only has seven receptions this year, one the last two weeks. So that's the problem. He's very touchdown reliant, and he hasn't found the end zone the last two weeks. So that's the big problem. And James White is another guy that is trending downward because he's seeing less snaps each week. We're seeing his usage decrease. It's really hard to use James White right now. He had four carries, 13 yards, and two receptions for 15 yards. So in two of the last three games, he has two receptions or fewer, and his snaps have gone way down. Look at the snaps from since week eight, 61, 56, 44, 37, 33, 33. And I believe he was below 50% of the snaps the last two games. I think a lot of it is with Rob Gronkowski back. You know, because when Gronk is out, they don't go to another tight end. That helps a guy like James White. With Gronk in there, it's less targets for a guy like James White. And it's also game flow, and they did play from ahead, even though they lost this game. And if you didn't see the highlight, you got to check it out. I'm sure most of you have seen it by now with Kenyon Drake scoring on the final play of the game. They have Rob Gronkowski in there basically to combat the Hail Mary. But come on, man. That's what people would tell me on Twitter. I'm like, why is Gronkowski out there? They weren't going to throw a Hail Mary 70 yards. Uh, you knew like some type of hook and lateral play was coming, and Gronk just could not. He can't move, and he was trying to go and tackle Kenyon Drake, and it was comical, man. It was really bad and uh, shouldn't have been on the field, and it cost the Patriots a win in this one. One of the bigger disappointments yesterday was Chris Godwin. That is a guy that I used in my DFS lineups. I used him in a lot of my season-long leagues, and, man, if I would have told you, though, hey, Chris Godwin's going to get 10 targets. You playing him, you've been like absolutely fire him up. It didn't happen. Just very inefficient. One catch for 13 yards with no Deshaun Jackson there against the Saints. And Godwin's had a really good year and come through. But, man, that was just a really tough, tough uh, game to digest as a Chris Godwin owner. Jalen Samuels got the majority of the touches for the Steelers. I think there were some questions going into the week. You know, would it be Samuels? Would it be Ridley? Would they split? But as we've seen. The Steelers do not typically split carries. They usually go with one back, and that's the case here. It was Jalen Samuels who had the bulk of the touches. Ridley, I think, had five. He did have a goal line carry, but Jalen Samuels didn't do much on the ground, just 11 carries, 28 yards, but he came through in the pass game, catching all seven receptions for 64 yards, and we still don't know about James Conner for next week, but it's safe to say if, Connor is out. Jalen Samuels is the guy. Ridley is just too risky and will not see a lot of playing time. Another player who emerged from the weekend is Deshaun Hamilton from the Denver Broncos. And I liked him. You know, he was hurt early in the year. He's out of Penn State. We've seen some good Penn State receivers. Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin. I just talked about this spot, the bad game. But, yeah, I didn't. I thought about him in DFS, but I didn't feel like the need to go there. Uh, I want to kind of see a big game from him first. And he played the slot with the men you're sending out for the year, and he came through. You know, he had nine targets. Now, they did run a lot of plays. He played 72 snaps, but he had seven receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. He was wide open, looked like uh, blown coverage. It looked like some confusion. You know, Richard Sherman was 
looking at one of his uh, teammates and questioning what he did there, but it was a wide-open touchdown for Deshaun Hamilton. So he's someone that you could potentially look on at the waiver wire if you need some wide receiver help in PPR formats. Probably a game that eliminated a lot of people from playoff contention was last night. And, boy, I know it did for me. I had Jared Goff in the Superflex League. He got me negative point eight. Like, really? Like, I did not expect a huge game from Goff. In fact, I had a question on the ScoutFantasySports.com message board. The guy has the question. He's like, do I start this guy or do I play Goff? And he goes, I don't want to play Goff, but I don't want to regret sitting him because the last time I did, Goff went off. And I said, look, the likelihood of Goff going off is slim. They're playing Sunday night on the road in Chicago against a really good defense, and it's going to be cold. And Goff has not performed well in cold temperatures. Now, we only saw one game from him this year in cold temperatures, and that was on the road at Denver. And Goff was 14-28 for 201 in that game. But, man, I didn't think it would be as bad as last night. It was so bad for Jared Goff, and I had to play him. It's a super flex league. I don't have any other options on the wave wire, but he basically ended my season to get point negative point eight from your quarterback. Goff was just atrocious. Twenty of forty four for one eighty, no touchdowns and four picks. It was just a dreadful performance for the Rams. Todd Gurley had his worst game of the year, fifty eight scoreless yards. Robert Woods was fine if in PPR seven for sixty one. Brandon Cooks just three for twenty two. It was just brutal, and it was brutal on the other side too. Mitch Trubisky didn't have a big game coming back. Uh, he only had 110 yards and a touchdown, threw a couple picks. Uh, Allen Robinson struggled, 5 for 42. Trey Burton, 2 for 22. But, man, I couldn't believe on DraftKings yesterday, if you played the Sunday night slate too, the Bears defense was 2,200. So I played in a contest that included the Sunday night games. I locked in the Bears defense at 2,200. Like, really? You know, we've seen the Rams turn the ball over in the Chiefs game. They gave up some stuff. So, the Bears' defense at home uh, was in a good spot, but what a dreadful performance. Uh, and that probably ended the hopes of many people that played Jared Goff. Uh, he was probably still, for many people, in their starting lineup this week, and you couldn't have expected that. So trust me, it hit me too. Uh, I had the second most points in the league, and uh, my season is over because of Jared Goff. Uh, just poor timing and a bad matchup, but he was brutal. That wraps it up here. You can check me out at ScoutFantasySports.com. If you have any questions, you need some help on the waiver wire, we are there. Check out ScoutDFS.com to win money as well. I'll be back Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm out of here. Adam Ronis, Scout Fantasy Sports.